This is the sound of Amazon workers in New York City finding out that they won their vote to unionize. That's Chris Smalls, the union's lead organizer, popping a bottle of champagne. This is going to be the, the, the catalyst for the revolution. That's exactly what this is. Y'all just witnessed that. It was a lot to celebrate. They won 55% to 45% with a large turnout. Just two years earlier, many of these workers were at the JFK 8 warehouse in Staten Island for the worst moments of the pandemic wave that hit New York. Since then, they've been fighting for a safer and better workplace. Some of them were fired for protesting the conditions. All of them risked their lives to come to work. This was a unionization fight that cost millions. Amazon is the second largest employer in the U.S., and breaking through was a historic victory for organized labor. So how did they do it, and what's next? I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. I'm talking today with Jordan Flowers. He's from Staten Island, and he worked at Amazon for three years. He also has an autoimmune disease called lupus. And being immunocompromised during the pandemic was what put him on the path to organizing. It started out as a foursome. Jordan, Chris Smalls, Gerald Bryson, and Derek Palmer. They're close. Jordan was actually at Gerald's house when we interviewed him. So walk me back to that day when the votes were counted and it was announced. What went through your mind? How were you feeling? You know, I was I was shaking. I was sweating. I was nervous. Like <laughs> it's 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 amazing the hard work we put in. Me, Chris, Derek, Gerald, uh, the two years we put in this. It was a really long, long fight. And I mean, the fight's not going to stop here. But again, just thinking about it, it's still long. That's two years of our life that was gone. But we did it for a real reason. It's worth mentioning, Jordan is 23. Amazon was his first job. 23, like, I'm young. Uh, you know, fighting Amazon, such a big company, and little old me with a disability, shouldn't be out there in the streets every day protesting. Statistic leaders said that we were going to lose, and everyone, I could say, kind of doubted us. But that also motivated us to keep it going. And, you know, we won, so it was a really astounding moment. So... I want to talk about your own journey with Amazon. You were there opening day. You were 19 years old. What did you expect when you walked into that warehouse? What kind of job were you hoping it would be? It was my first full-time job, so I was kind of happy for myself that I got my first full-time job. I thought it was going to be easy. I thought it was more just uh, you're sitting in one area or you're walking around just picking items and moving them from one side to the other. Uh, I've really never worked in industrial work, but again, this is my first time. I was happy to have a job. So the Amazon conditions that have since made headlines were not what he expected. Workers were urinating in bottles because they were discouraged from taking bathroom breaks. They're monitored at all times. Take the breaks, for example. Two 15-minute breaks and a 30-minute lunch break. Jordan said it's less than it sounds. In our facility, we had four floors. So the size of our facility is 14 football fields side by side. 
And for you to be on the fourth floor to walk to the main entrance already takes you like seven, eight minutes. Wow. So by the time you even sit down, you already got to get up and start walking back to the fourth floor. You know, that's a 15-minute walk right there, and that's your break. And then at lunch, you only got 30 minutes, so you're trying to clock out, stuff your face and eat food, try to talk to your friends, whatever. And then you have to come rush in, put your phone back in the locker and clock back in. And again, this is all being timed also. So you're like you're, you're being timed from the moment you also clock out. So that's what they don't also tell you. Even on your lunch break, they're watching you as you're around the facility. And then Jordan's lupus flared up. He had to go to the hospital at age 20 because his blood pressure was so high, he was at risk of having a stroke. He ended up in a dispute with Amazon about the medical leave, and that ended in his termination, as they call it. He fought it and got reinstated. Then came the pandemic. I was telling them, like, I can't be in the facility right now. COVID is way too high. We were getting work, like, 10 workers a day tested positive. And we have a warehouse of 5,000 workers. Wow. So I'm trying to cover myself. I didn't want to be in a facility with all these workers. I'm my mom's only son. And you are immune compromised. Yeah, I'm, you know, compromised. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't want to risk my life delivering packages for customers. I understand that it was my job, but at the same time, I got to think about my health also. I can't be in this facility in this type of environment. Which is kind of the basis for how this union movement came together. Amazon under fire this morning for terminating an employee who led a walkout on Monday at its Staten Island facility. The organizing efforts grew out of a protest against Amazon's lack of COVID safety precautions. Your union is unique, though, especially compared to previous efforts to unionize at Amazon. Can you explain what makes it so unique? Uh, workers led. I mean, this is from the, sh- the ground up. This is the four of us sat out there. And uh, grinded out until we started getting workers to join. And, you know, eventually then we just had a big major team. They did this all themselves. Like they didn't have the backing of any major established labor union. The workers just did it. Kim Kelly is an independent journalist who's followed unionization efforts at Amazon for a while. And she's looking at the whole context of the labor movement. She actually wrote a book on it coming out this month. It's called Fight Like Hell. Seeing these scrappy uh, kind of green organizers out in Staten Island, I was like, well, it'd be dope if they won. I don't know if they will. Like, no one's done it yet, but someone has to, and maybe it'll be them. Kim explained that the independent model that Jordan mentioned really isn't that common. In the U.S., the usual route is joining one of the already existing labor unions that can help with the ins and outs of the strategy of getting organized. The Amazon labor union folks, they just formed their own organization. And that is, you you can do that. You don't have to go through an established labor union and work with their staff and work under their strategy. You can just do it yourself. It's just a lot harder. It's not unprecedented within labor, obviously, but... It's just not typically how things are done. You know, it's, there's kind of an established playbook that most folks follow when they're trying to organize a union. And at Amazon, these, these people in Staten Island were like, you know what, like, let's throw out that rule book. We're just going to try it our own way. But there's another rule book on unions, and that's the company rule book. Amazon's is well-seasoned from fighting other unionization efforts. 
And in this one, they spared no expense. Amazon spent $4.3 million to try and crush this effort, and it failed. But in in that budget, they spent all that money on anti-union consultants, on people that came in and tried to convince people that the union was a bad thing, that would lie to workers, try to intimidate them, try to make them feel like this was a a bad decision, that the the union, in scare quotes, was a third party coming in to try and mess things up, try and screw up a good thing for them. It's a common point of contention between labor organizers and a company— the idea that the union is separate from the workers. And Amazon often emphasizes that a union is an obstacle in dealing with employees. They said this in their statement after the outcome of the vote. Amazon said it was disappointed with the outcome of the election in Staten Island, adding, we believe having a direct relationship with the company is best for our employees. The Amazon Labor Union, though, is just people who have worked at the JFK 8 warehouse and their lawyer. They didn't go under the umbrella of a bigger union. But Amazon has its own side of the story. Amazon is one of the few major employers that's increased its starting pay to $15 an hour, though it took away other financial benefits at the time of the raise. For its full-time employees, it offers health care benefits, which not all workers in the United States get. As for the Amazon Labor Union, the company called it inexperienced and said a union contract doesn't guarantee better conditions. Amazon held a lot of meetings for JFK 8 employees on their version of what a union could mean for them. You know, these are mandatory meetings, and that's got to be kind of scary if you're just a person going to work, trying to make your paycheck, and then you end up in this classroom with this person in a suit telling you you're going to ruin everything for yourself and your coworkers. Union organizers call these captive audience meetings, and the U.S. Labor Board is actually moving now to block them. But Amazon has lots of tools at its disposal for its side of the fight. They're allowed to contact you and urge you to vote no. They're allowed to post flyers and, you know, run ads on their closed-circuit televisions. They're allowed to post flyers in the bathroom stalls. And oftentimes, in a lot of workplaces that have much less money than Amazon, that works. And then, after the fact, they're they're allowed to try and challenge it. Right now, Amazon is going after the National Labor Relations Board. It's probably wild to be listening to this from a more worker-friendly country and hear about what bosses are legally allowed to do. And all those tactics are why the independent model seems to have been a key to the union's success. The organizers spent more of their time and money to do it that way, but it meant they were up close and personal for the fight. At Amazon, the workers organized themselves horizontally, talking to people in the break room, doing the work of union organizers, but without bringing in folks to help. And it's very difficult for a company to act as if a union is coming out of nowhere when it's just the people who actually worked there running it. People knew that Chris worked there and Derek worked there, and they had seen the protest that Chris was fired for in 2020. They knew that these folks cared and were doing their homework and were showing up. That approach doesn't work everywhere, but it worked here. And I think there are some huge lessons to be taken for the rest of the movement from what these workers on Staten Island did. So I asked Jordan about that. What did you actually do to convince people? 
the most powerful thing is to tell your story and use your voice. Again, everyone has a unique story. Mine was my medical issue and how Amazon treated me. So the way we, we get uh, workers, we're telling our story. Like, this is who I was. I held this rally. And I'm fighting for you guys because I feel like you guys aren't going to be protected at the time. And forming the Amazon Labor Union, we'll be sure you have uh, guaranteed job protection. So to do that, they were out there every day. So there's a bus stop right across the street, uh, right in front of the facility. And, you know, workers would get off the, the S40. That's the Staten Island bus route they would take. And, you know, as they're getting off, we, we would offer our T-shirts first to let them know that, you know, we're giving out free stuff. From T-shirts, we started giving out food. So it was around the summertime. We started having barbecues. We started doing ethnicity food. So we, instead of barbecues all the time, we'll have some Spanish food here, some Middle Eastern food here. And then we started having, uh, what do you call it, uh, campouts. We start, we start camping out overnight. We'll have bonfires. Uh, and, you know, we'll just sit with the workers and talk to them and just let them know that, like, who we really are. We're here because we're going to do it. How much sleep were you getting? I just started going to sleep. <laughs> Several months later. <laughs> we just had to keep going with the flow because it was a nonstop process for us. It wasn't so much more about the sea for us right now. It was making sure that these workers from all the shifts are being protected at JFK. So now that the vote's over, it's time for negotiations. Eventually, it should lead to the union signing an agreement with Amazon. But Amazon is challenging the vote with the U.S.'s Labor Relations Board, accusing the union of threatening the workers unless they voted to organize. The Amazon labor union lawyer rejected the claims. For Amazon, Kim says what comes next will be all new. Amazon's never had to do this before. They do not want to do this. They're going to try and pull out every legal stop they can think of to avoid sitting down with these workers. And obviously the Amazon labor union organizers, they know that. And they've already sent out a letter de demanding, you know, very politely, but like demanding to meet with the company the first week of May, giving them a little bit of time to say, okay, we're ready to bargain. We're ready to do this. Let's do it. The union is calling for better working conditions job security, so people can't be fired at will, and a $30 an hour minimum wage. If that last one sounds high, it's not just because of New York's cost of living. It's also because the negotiations could take a long time. One analysis found these types of agreements in the U.S. take an average of over a year. I mean, we've all seen union negotiations take years. It could take a really long time. But that doesn't mean it's not worth doing. And that doesn't mean that Amazon Labor Union doesn't have what it takes to, to take them on. It just means that this is, this victory is the first step in a, it's the first battle in a very long war. I think that there's a, there's been a little bit of an impulse for some folks who are like, experts, historians, people that would probably know more than I do, um, to say, like, well, that's nice that they won, but, you know, it's going to be really hard. Like, you know, let's temper expectations. But I think, why not celebrate? Why not get stoked? You know, like, <laughs> the labor movement has taken so many body blows over the past, really over my entire lifetime, and I'm 34. And even before then, I mean, I think it's fine to celebrate a win and to celebrate the Amazon Labor Union and to say, you know what, they did something incredible here. And maybe the experts aren't as smart as they think they are. The Amazon organizers are celebrating. 
but they're also not catching their breath. There's another vote in two weeks at another Amazon facility next door. And more Amazon sites across the country are showing interest. I asked Jordan how it all feels. So do you think of you guys as activists now? Do you call yourself an activist? They, I know they call themselves activists. To me, I'm still in shock. Like, I even did this type of work because I actually used to go to school for public speaking. <laughs> so for me to just jump into this situation, it's like, yo, I was talking about being an activist. Now I'm an activist. So it's like, it's still not getting through to me that, like, yo, like, what I really did was really activist moves. And again, I'm proud of myself for doing what I did because, you know, not a lot of people would stand up with their medical issue and fight as long as I did. Yeah. Amazon executives have said that Chris was not smart or articulate, and they tried to create a narrative saying that he was the face of the movement. Do you think that that backfired? Uh, completely. Calling Chris not smart and articulate still took offense to us. Even though you said Chris specifically, he's still a Black man in the working class society. And the three of us are also Black men in the working class society, just as Chris. Like, we all take offense. We did that walkout, and we're not articulate and smart. So, you know, yeah, I took offense to it. But at the same time, now you have a company saying that you're not smart. Now we have to prove to them that we're smart. Back in May, a consultant hired by Amazon allegedly called the organizers thugs. Amazon denies that it happened, but the word stuck with Jordan. They tried to make us look like thugs, that, you know, that's what they were going to call us. We dressed like thugs because Chris got gold chains and gold teeth. The way we dress, we must be thugs. I don't I don't know how thugs look or dress, but you can't judge someone by the, the way they dress. It wasn't just the win that mattered to the organizers. It was winning on their own terms. And that's what happened at the vote count. When the two sides appeared in front of the labor board, they did not look the same. Amazon brought six lawyers. The union brought one. The lawyers came to court in their suits. But Jordan and the others were wearing their union shirts. ALU and TCOEW, the Congress of Essential Workers. They were wearing basic regular suits, too. Them lawyers were wearing regular suits. Why are they wearing some high-name brand suit? <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> nothing, nothing too fancy. Mm-hmm, yeah. But we knew that... Uh, You know, we wanted the world to see a statement that ALU and TCOEW, you know, made this happen. Yeah. Like, because we told our stories doesn't mean we're thugs. Yeah. You're telling our story for a reason, and our story is meant to be told. And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Alexandra Locke with Nagin Oliai, Ruby Zaman, Amy Walters, Ney Alvarez, and me, Malika Bilal. Our sound designer is Alex Roldan, and our engagement producers are Aya Al-Milek and Munira Al-Dosari. We'll be back on Wednesday. <laughs>